I have a question for you. How do you know when it's time to run away? Give an example from Hollywood. Famous horror movie, the Amityville Horror. Couple walk into the house they just brought. Gosh, honey, this is a really nice house. And they hear the voice say, get out. Now the movie would be over if I were in it, because all right, we're out, but we'll burn it down on the way out, but we're done. Run away. But what about in real life? How do you know when it's time to run away? Let me give you a real life example. When my mentor graduated from Harvard, he went to Europe to meet some of the great philosophers. And he went to a German university, and there down the hall was the famous philosopher Martin Heidegger. So my mentor introduced himself in his rather good German, and Professor Heidegger said, I can tell from your voice, from your accent, that you're an American. Americans can't do philosophy. Go away. Well, of course, you just, you just leave because the guy's being a jerk. So my mentor went down the hall to the next famous German philosopher who was the mentor of the rude man. His name was Edmund Husserl. Introduced himself in very good German. And Dr. Husserl said, I can tell by your accent you're an American. You want to know my philosophy in one visit. You can't. To know my philosophy, you have to give me your life. You have to give me your soul. That's when it's time to run away. When anyone talks about, give me your life, give me your soul, it's time to run away. But how about this? What if someone said, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Well, shouldn't you run away? Obviously, even if the person really believed, I'm the be-all and end-all, get ready to hate everyone and die for love of me, isn't that what cult leaders say? Don't you look for someone stirring Kool-Aid in the back of the, uh, of the room, or the back of the tent? It's rather disconcerting. So that's one possibility, that this guy from Nazareth believes what he's saying, but he's delusional. There's another possibility. He doesn't believe it, he's lying, he's evil. That he wants people to die because he enjoys death. That's the second possibility. And the third possibility is that this guy from Nazareth is son of God, son of Mary, the Christ of God, the Logos, and he says what he says because it is absolutely true. And he says what is absolutely true because there is no saving alternative. So we have a decision now to make about the carpenter. Either he's just crazy and delusional, or he's a liar and he's wicked, or absolutely everything he says is true and anything contrary to him is false and deadly. If you haven't made that decision already, you really need to make it today. Because sometime today, someone is going to want to sell you something. He's going to want to sell you something in exchange, not just for your time and your money and your attention, but wants to sell you something for the sake of your love, for the sake 
of your devotion. Sometime today, someone is going to try to seduce you. Sometime today, someone will try to addict you. Sometime today, someone will want you to divide your heart against God. How confident are you that you're so prayed up, so much in a state of grace, so in tune with the voice of the shepherd, that when the world, the flesh, and the devil come clawing at your senses, whispering in your ear, knocking at your door, waving their goodies under your nose, how confident are you that you don't even need to break a sweat? You can just say, get behind me, Satan, not today. How confident are you that since the time of your baptism, you have lived so well all the truths that Christ has revealed without hesitation, without reservation, without regret. So confident are you that you are a good sheep of the one true shepherd that you can face eternity right now without any hesitation and have a happy outcome. Are you willing to take that bet for yourself? Won't ask for a show of hands. For me, I'm not taking that bet. I'm too weak. I'm too much of a sinner. I know how I get. I've seen me do it. So here's what I know, what I need to do this day, is say, Lord, I've heard your call. I've heard your invitation. I've lived your promises. And then five minutes later, I act like I never knew you. I need the grace of God constantly. I need to call out to God constantly. I need to invoke the precious blood of Christ constantly because I know that I'm weak and so does the enemy. I know all the things that push the right buttons and you got me. I know that about me. Maybe you're different. Maybe you don't struggle with temptation. Maybe the enemy doesn't have the his favorite lies to tell you. But I know that's how he works in me. And I know this, given the witness of the church, the testimony of the Holy Spirit, and through the blood of the martyrs, there is no lie in the Christ of God. And I know through the work of the Holy Spirit and the revelation entrusted to the church by the one church Christ founded, that God our Lord wants what's best for us. We're running out of time and into eternity. And I know for sure that no one can see the face of God and live if he has a divided heart. So on this day of Sabbath rest, make a list. Who are Christ's competitors in your heart? Who or what divides your loyalty? For while there is still time, and time is uncertain, while there is still time, beg, beg, beg God for the grace to have a properly ordered heart, to have a right relationship, to insist God first, God first, God first. Beg for the grace that you can stand before the throne of heaven and say, 
Christ is my enough. He has always and only been my first love. And let us cry out the wisest, most honest prayer we find in Scripture. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. May God's holy name be praised now and forever.